Good morning. Welcome to the podcast for this uh, Sunday, March the 7th. It is rolling along, ladies and gentlemen. It is rolling right along. We're about a month from the weather maybe breaking a bit, two months from it breaking for good. Planting gardens in two months. Woo! It's exciting. I'm just trying to hype myself up because this was it. I was supposed to go to Florida next week. Vacation canceled, but this was my vacation that was uh, uh, planned since just about this time last year, actually. So, anyway, big week, though, ahead. Um, I am actually getting my vaccine Wednesday morning, so i um, very excited anyway. I would, I would take a vaccine over a vacation to Florida at this point, right? Because it means future vacations. Anyway, very short intro this week because... We found it. The interview that was supposed to be on the podcast last week, we went into the uh, the deep depths of Zencaster and were able to salvage the audio. And so here it is, one week late, my interview with Stephanie Brown. And I and I also uh, have to tell you because my last guest got mad. I just hit record like right away, so you're on already. I see that. Thank you for the heads up. <laughs> yeah, welcome. Thanks for doing this. Um, if you hear like screaming, crying, things that could be mistaken as possible murder in the background, um, that's because my wife has been kind enough to take control of Leo for a little while downstairs. I apologize for the background noise. Depending on how long we uh, we chat, I apologize on my end. Joe just took Spencer out for a walk, and uh, when he gets back, he likes his mom. So we'll see how uh, this goes. Well, let me play weather envy just for a second. You're in Tampa, right? Clearwater, but yeah. Cross so what's Cross what's your outside temperature right now? Look, like we look out the window. What is going on right now outside your window? Um. So I see some blue skies, fluffy blue clouds. It is currently, let's see, what are we at? 64. So oh, we're chilling. Oh, right. That's right. That That's yeah. my favorite thing about you people down there. You people with your chili when it's 64 degrees. We were down a couple years ago, and I remember people apologizing to us because it was so cold, and it was around 64 degrees. I will say, I don't. I don't start saying chilly. So like the other day, Spencer and I went for a walk and it was 47 degrees. 47 okay. is chilly. So that well, is when I like claim yeah. it. But yeah, if we're in the 60s, like, no, I was just being an idiot. So, <laughs> well, you're one of us. You're a northerner. You're one of us. You're born. No, no. Do you I, feel like you've converted? Oh, God. Yeah. There's no yeah. way I would whine and cry so bad if I moved back <laughs> up there again. When's the last time you spent a winter in cold weather? 
How many years has it been? Um, I came up there for like a long weekend in November, a couple years ago for my baby shower. And I will say, I was actually thrilled it was cold because my body was cooking a child. So like I was all out of whack and like the cold was like refreshing. So before that, I mean, we actually have gotten to the point where we don't, we tell our families, like, you come down here for Thanksgiving and Christmas, we'll go up there for Memorial Day, July 4th, or Labor Day. Like, uh, that's how it's going to well, work. So I get it. I, I feel like that probably would happen to me, too, if I ended up down there. But the, the question I have, though, is Thanksgiving and Christmas, does it feel like Christmas when it's 75 degrees outside? I mean, how do you explain, you know, a song like it's beginning to feel a lot like or I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. Like, what are you going to tell your child one day a white Christmas is? Yeah, you know, Spencer, <laughs> like already. So we were Skyping with his cousins up in Michigan. And so behind his aunt, he sees white and he goes, snow, you have snow. And so like he knows enough that like when he sees it somewhere else, he knows what it is. Um, but yeah, no, it took me a while. I mean, we've been down here. This is my third time living in Florida. So uh, this time, Joe and I moved down here at the end of 2013. So we've spent so many Christmases at this point, like down here. Like at first I was like, oh, this is really weird. But now it just, I mean, it's yeah. been however many, seven, eight, I can't do math Christmases. So it's, it yeah. is what it is. But I know like, you know. Probably in a couple years, we'll come up there just so Spencer can experience snow and Christmas and sled riding and all those good things. So, yeah. Uh, how old is your son now? He just turned two. Okay. All right. My son is like a, just a few months older than that. He's just, okay. I think he's two in like three months. Uh, what kind of, what, how did you enjoy pregnancy? Like you said, when you had, when you were baking a child, you yeah. enjoyed the cold weather. Like, are you somebody who enjoyed, every moment of it or were you like can't wait to meet you but also get out of me um you know i was like i was pretty fortunate where i wasn't sick um you know sleeping was uncomfortable towards the end and trying to figure that out and then i also would have weird things where i would wake up at like two in the morning and i'd be awake till four in the morning just i guess getting ready for like to be able to feed him but i actually i still i traveled a ton when i was pregnant um, I actually flew out to Alaska when I was like six or seven months pregnant. I worked winter meetings in Vegas when I was seven months pregnant. So like I was hauling butt around the Mandalay Casino, which if anyone has been there, like where your hotel room is to where all of the meeting spaces is, is legit, probably a mile. So like I would have to go there in the morning and then up and down and everywhere. And I like kind of forgot that I was seven months pregnant and I would literally have coworkers come up to me and be like, you need to go sit down and drink some water. And I'm like, what? I'm fine. I have to do it. And they're like, no, but really. And I'm like, oh, yep, I probably should. So I kept like super duper active. Um, and then I will say the last month probably felt like about 12 years because at that point I had kind of like winded down and I no more events, no more travel, obviously. And it was like, okay, let's at that point, I'm like, let's go. Like, let's get this right. going. But um, I'm very much a planner. So <laughs> We, with me being, you know, a Jerry mom and being older, they scheduled um, when I would go in. So I like knew, I knew what I was going to eat before I went into the hospital. Boom, boom, boom. Like everything was ready to go. So 
um, that is the way I wanted it. it. It worked out well. Isn't that crazy too? I mean, you would have been what, 34, 35 when you had your child. So like, isn't that? Five. Yeah. Five. Yeah. So you're automatically considered an old mother. Like, isn't that crazy that 35 is old? It is funny, but like, I just kind of embraced it that I was a Jerry mom. And I will say something that I didn't know going in is that you get more sonograms. So like, mm. I was talking to one of my friends who was probably like 33 and she was pregnant at the same time I was. And she, I think she had two, maybe three. And I was like, so you literally went from like seeing the baby first, like early on, maybe one. And then you had to wait until the very end. I had them all the time because they had to keep tabs on me because, you know, mm -hmm. I was so old and I was like, man, I appreciate like, this is an added bonus that mm -hmm. I didn't even know. Like I get to sure. see my, my guy, like, the whole time so yeah sure i i yeah, you're exactly right my wife's a little bit younger so there was that was the one you get the one check-in at the 20 weeks i think there may have been one other one and other than that you're just waiting you're waiting now yeah. where did you go on uh, gender reveal where did you land on that did you find out right oh. then and there did you do a party or was it when it when you came out of the shoot yeah i want to know as soon as possible like okay. i did zero chance that i was going to want to be surprised. I wanted to like know. Um, so literally as soon as, and we did the early like testing, genetic testing, all that. Um, so we actually like told them, you know, as soon as the results are in, let us know, call us. Well, my husband happened to just be like cruising through our online portal and was like, I think they posted the results. And he's like, oh, yep. Chromosome test male. So, okay. We know the results now. We didn't do a gender reveal or anything like that. Um, I don't even remember how we told my family it was a boy, but we did actually hang on to the name for a really, really long time. We didn't tell anyone because we did not, like, we just didn't want feedback. So right. there was so much unsolicited advice the entire time. And that was one thing where we're like, this, we like this name. We don't care what you think. So we're not going to yes. tell you. We actually started referring to him as Machete. <laughs> my mom was so scared up until I think we did finally tell her at Christmas that was her Christmas present that we told her the actual name but up until like seven months in she was very nervous that he was going to be named Machete <laughs> well you're a planner like I mean it comes out I, you're going to be a you are already a fantastic entrepreneur because I can tell your attention to detail is quite <laughs> obvious let's let's talk about let's like let's go through your your career because you broke into something that I think is hard to break into, right? You were in professional baseball for a long time and we'll kind of go, if it's okay with you, we'll just kind of go chronological order and, and try and arrive at what you're up to today. But uh, let's I, go back to you graduate high school. Tell me on graduation day, what you were going to be when you grew up. Oh man. At that point, I think I was going to be a math teacher. So mm. we can quickly end. Uh, <laughs> probably that segment of the story. But um, so, yeah, I will try to high level this. As we all know, we have like many twists and turns. But um, yeah. so high school came out, I went to Mercyhurst College in Erie. Yes. Okay. So at that point, I had I was going to be an elementary education teacher. I went, um, took one class, I enjoyed it, but I ended up going down to Florida for spring break. And um, you know, a former classmate, different year, but Emily Baskin, awesome person, her and her family, her and her older sisters actually all went to Flagler in St. Augustine, Florida. So 
we ended up visiting the campus. I fell in love with it. It is beautiful. And I was like, you know what? I need to try something new. So I ended up, I put in kind of the paperwork to transfer down to Flagler, ended up getting accepted. And I said, you know what? Worst case, like I was, it was a really, it was an interesting decision because like I wanted to do it, but then like, you know, being pulled back to home of like, am I really going to move down to Florida from Ohio? So I did it. I didn't even know. And I'm realizing, you know, sport management as a, as a major, I, I feel like I was never, I never knew that in high school. Like, I don't know, maybe I missed the boat on someone like telling me like, yes, you can actually go have career. We did. We, we did. I mean, I, you know, I, and I, I already said in the intro to this podcast, you and I went to high school together. We missed some things. I mean, some little things, some big things. But while we're on the track of sports, like we didn't have a hockey team. So none of our friends ever played hockey. Right. Yeah. Like it just we just didn't have that exposure. We didn't have a soccer team when we were when we were there. Uh, and we didn't have anyone telling us sports management was realistic as a career. Yeah. Goal. Yeah. And, and that's not to dump on the school or anything, but it is true that it was a little bit more. We were kind of pointed in a traditional way. Yeah. I think most of us were told it's got to be this traditional. But I'm curious, how did you uh, deliver the news to your family, to your parents? Like, how do you tell Lisa? So I'm giving up Mercyhurst. I'm going to Florida. Like, how does that news get broke? So I will say, actually, transferring down to Flagler was so much cheaper. So that was a uh, winning point. Nice. Of, yeah. Um, sure. But I also, I, honestly, Paul, my memory is the worst. So I don't even remember. Like, I just <laughs> know that I cried when I was like, I'm making this decision. I'm crying because it's a big deal. But worst case, I moved back home. So I yeah. ended up going down there and I was majoring in business. And I just kind of stumbled yeah. into sport management. Emily actually introduced me to a handful of her friends that she went to high school with that were majoring in sport management. I'm like, wait, I'm sorry. Like I literally can study sports and like work in sports. How is this a thing that I never knew? Like, um, so yeah, jumped into that. And in my junior year, I went and, um, was a game day intern for the then Jacksonville sun. So I ended up meeting their president and at a conference and just kind of went up and said, Hey, I have an interest in working in, in minor league baseball how can I get involved? And literally from there, he's like, here, call this person. We'll get you set up. And I was like, oh, okay. So what I was the thing that caught you? Like what, what hooked you in about working in sport? What was the thing that you said? Wow, this is, this is cool. I am in, I like this. You know, obviously we were surrounded by playing sports our entire life. So having that as an interest, as a passion, and then realizing like, oh my gosh, I literally could study something that I've loved my entire life. Like how, how is this a thing that has never really like been brought up to me? So I didn't even really know, like, it's not like I grew up going to games, even though the Erie Seawolves were, you know, 30-ish minutes down the road, the Lake County captains were 40 minutes down the road. Like I never went to games growing up and didn't kind of really know that that was a thing. So just knowing that, like my love of the game, was to be uh, be able to be put into play. So I thoroughly enjoyed my time at Flagler, had awesome classes, very practical uses. We got to, you know, we were volunteering at various events. You got exposed to a lot of different things. There were, like, we put on, like, a legit event where we had to close down the beach and do a 5K and rent porta potties and, you know, all of the things where 
it was very much taking from like, here's an idea to here's how we're executing and then actually day of implementation. So it was, it was very, very good for me and ended up interning Jacksonville Suns junior year. And I just did game day. And at that point, like I just loved, I, I think that was when the atmosphere part of it hit me where, you know, you, yes, you have the guys and the things going on in the field, which initially was what I thought, you know, this is what's attracting me to working in sports, but it's truly everything outside the white lines of the fans and the food and the giveaways and all of those things. So for my senior year, I had to do an internship for the entire second semester. So I didn't take any classes. I had to find an internship. And I ended up going back up to Erie and interning with the Erie Seawolves. So I was there from January until September, which was really great because it gets you in early in the year. You understand, you know, the sales process and how you're setting up for this season and getting things ready for things to open up in April. You know, got to experience scooping snow off of a tarp so you can actually pull the tarp off of the field early on in the season. And, you know, the water wasn't on in the stadium yet because it was too cold. So we had to go across the street to wash things at a restaurant, all the things that, you know, <laughs> being up north can, uh, can do for you. But I ended up, my internship ended at the end of that year. I truly thought there was going to be a position available, but um, they did have something in ticket sales that wasn't really a path that at that time, you know, I wasn't interested. I was more community relations, marketing and promotions. Um, I really liked that. So there was a job posting at State College, which was a brand new team starting up in the New York Penn League for a community relations manager. So I ended up applying. And I truly think I had so much hands-on experience in my internship um, that I, I was really like my resume at that point, you know, looking back, I was able to say, led this, oversaw this, all of those things. And so ended up getting that job. I was in state college for the 2006 season. So to go ahead and date me. Um, so I was there first season and it was really, it was a really good experience because, you know, first year you're trying to figure out like what works, what doesn't work. We were owned by the Altoona Curve ownership. So a lot of what they did, we were trying to implement, but kind of twist and put our own play on it. Um, do you have any good stories about things that home runs you hit, or I guess for lack of a better term, home runs? And also, do you have any good stories about things you went out there and crickets? Um, have you ever have you ever had crickets happen to you? Oh yeah, we've definitely had some throughout the years. <laughs> you know, something that's interesting was when we were so we weren't working out of the stadium; it was being built. We had a downtown office. And we were taking people over to the stadium for like, you know, hard hat tours and, hey, where do you want to sit for your season tickets? Here's how we're doing this. And we were going to walk on the field to like kind of walk people around the infield. Well, they hadn't put any gates leading onto the field. So that was something like as we're like trying to like navigate that we're like, oh, yeah, we probably should tell the construction company that like gates onto the field access points are needed. So we were like having people <laughs> jump over the wall to get on the field. So that was fun. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So, you, but that was a really great opportunity, though, that you get to be a part of a brand new team. Yep. You get to essentially, you get to write the job description at that point, right? You get to decide how this is going to go. You know, it was, and looking back, like, I'm kind of, I'm kind of shocked that, like, I was very early in my career. It was a my first full time year, and here I am, like, recruiting host families for our players to live at, and I had just moved there, and like, you know. The things that kind of fell on my shoulders, I was like, this is 
looking back, like, wow, I'm, I don't know if I would have given someone that responsibility at that age. So it was, it was a really, really good experience just to kind of be thrown in and like, here, figure out things that work. So were you naturally good at it? Do you think? You know, I, I kind of think my personality is let's find a way to figure it out. So I'm not going to stop until I at least like, I want at least a B on something like, you know, I don't need an A plus, but like, let's at least make it really good um, and figure out a way to do that. So what comes after state college then? And how many years were you there? I was only there one. So I deemed myself a one year wonder early in my career. So I was Jacksonville to Erie to state college. And then I actually went back to Jacksonville. So I was, I received a call from my former GM when I was down there interning um, one afternoon saying that he thought that his uh, director of community relations was going to quit. And if she did, did I want her job? (laughs) And I was like, well, I mean, I'm definitely interested, but like, there's not a job to offer yet. So I guess if she does truly quit, go ahead and give me a call. So she did in fact quit that afternoon, which he called me. And so I decided, yes, like, I'm going to go back down. I enjoyed Jacksonville. My sister was actually going to college at Jacksonville University. So kind of all the things, it just made sense for me to go back down. Um, So headed down. And then also that's kind of when, so his name's Kirk Goodman. The GM was like, you need to sell. Like, I know you're not doing a lot of it right now, but that's something you need to do. And I was like, you know what? That's good because I need to add that to my resume and I need to almost be forced into being uncomfortable. So I was down there 2007 and it was good. Like it felt, it felt good to kind of return to a stadium that I knew. I knew from a couple of years ago, how things were done, what I wanted to change, how we could better things. And um, it was just, it was a really good season. So I was only there one year. So I know I really was. And it's kind of crazy in sports because I feel like it's an, it's an okay thing. Like if you have a reason as to why you were only somewhere for a year. So like for me, there were opportunities that came about that were better for my career. So like who's, if someone's looking to hire you and they're mad at you for bettering your career, then you probably don't want to work there anyway. Um, and how were, how were the general managers? Well, I assume were, that was who you were reporting to, right? How were they when you would leave? Were they always like, yeah, Steph, yeah, absolutely. It's better for your career. Or did any of them actually give you a hard time and go, come on, man. Well, I will say when I was leaving Jacksonville the second time, um, so Kirk, my general manager, he actually went and got a job in Quad Cities, which is a team in Iowa. And so he basically said, I want to hire you to come up there and work with me. I can start my own staff. We're starting fresh. So I then had to go tell the president of the team and he was not thrilled with it, but I really played the family card just because I was like, this is going to be better. Um, But that was something he understood was like getting closer to home. So I was just like, hey, this is an opportunity. And I will say like he wasn't thrilled that Kirk was leaving and that I was going with him. So I did get offered a new desk to stay. So that was, yeah, that was thrown at me. Um, that was not enough. Isn't there a famous story? And I heard this through the grapevine, so maybe it's not true or it's unfounded. Didn't you drive Justin Verlander from Erie to Cleveland once or something like that? Is that, is that made up? Is that through the grapevine? Has that been changed? Is there any truth to it? 
Yeah, he had his major league debut. I'm pretty sure it was like July 4th, 2005. I guess that would have been. You can fact check me on that one. Um, But he was in Erie and he got called up. So myself and this other guy drove him for his, because I think he just like popped up, if I remember correctly. Again, my memory is crap. But um, yeah, so. Yeah, he was one of those guys who, you know, no one heard of him. And then all of a sudden, he was yeah. like a, a, a man amongst boys in double A baseball. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> there he is. Then he's called up. What was that? Uh, did, did you at the time, obviously, he's just this dude, Justin from the Sea Wolves, who you're taking to have this really cool moment. But you had a cool perspective on a future Hall of Famer. Did he seem nervous or was he like, I'm ready? Did he seem pumped or nervous or what? I, I just fact checked myself, not going to lie. Uh, it was July 4th, 2005. So, well done. memory. Better than yeah. you think. <laughs> um, you know, all, what I remember of him, like, he was a big jokester. Like, trying to, I was helping try to organize the uh, team photo that year in Erie. And he literally was, like, messing around the entire time. Could barely get a serious photo because he was just doing all this stupid crap. So, um, that's kind of, like, my memory of, like, he was just confident and goofy so yeah yeah so to the career you're in quad city now you follow this gm who you have a great relationship with you guys work well together you follow him up there does this one last longer than a year or is this also six years wow i know (laughs) i literally did tell myself i was like you need to pause somewhere for a while because at this point like you need someone needs to see some stability on your resume so um Yeah, it was good. And again, another really great learning experience. We were coming in under a new ownership. So the previous ownership of the Quad Cities River Bandits was interesting, did not have a great relationship with the city, the city officials. Um, They kind of made a joke of like they needed to pay the lease and it was due. And They sent the mascot down to the city office to pay it and it was overdue and just kind of made a joke it was it was an interesting um yeah we were walking into kind of like an interesting time where we could only take it up if we even tried a little bit and but it took a while for people to understand like yes we're different we're here to make a difference you know I spent so I started in community relations and I literally called every single kind of charity and nonprofit in the area and just basically said hi I'm Stephanie I'm with the River Bandits how can we help you And they were like, well, what do you want? And I'm like, I literally just want to get to know you and how can we help you? And so we spent a lot of that 2008 season just really reaching out and letting people know, like, we're here to be a good part of the community. Like, that is what minor league baseball is. So it took it took a while to change people's minds that, you know, in fact, the leadership was different. So um, that was a really good year. And then I ended up. I oversaw the suite level. So there were 20 suites, oversaw those. I was taking basically client relations for all of them, taking food orders, anything they needed. Just, you know, those were our, basically our biggest sponsors, people who are either the naming rights partner or, you know, very, very high paying clients for us. And then ended up taking on merchandise. We had to let someone go that was overseeing the merchandise store, hiring all the merchant or buying all the merchandise we had really great event spaces. So like upstairs, you could hold a wedding for up to 200 people. We had a bar area that could do a, a draft party. Like if you were doing like 
uh, or a baby shower, whatever you wanted for probably about 50 people. So we had really, really great indoor places. And Iowa is very similar to uh, where we're from. Probably more ice. Um, but you want those indoor spaces when it comes time for events because, yeah. So I just kind of kept taking on more and more knowing. And at that point, I knew I wanted to be a general manager of a minor league team. And kind of my direction and in my mind was I need to know a little bit about everything because if I'm going to be overseeing an entire operation, I need to be able to speak intelligently to my entire staff. I don't know how to do that. I, in my mind, I was like, I don't have to know how to do their job A to Z because they're the expert in their space, but I at least need to say like, you know, ask a question or what's going on. I noticed the line's really long at this concession stand. How can we help, you know, this and that. So I literally just kind of spent the next couple of years jumping into, okay, I'm going to jump behind this concession stand. How, why are we working so slowly? Oh, our production manager has a wedding. Okay. I'll direct production for this game. Like just kind of putting myself in a position where hands-on learning. And that's kind of how I, you know, I, I manage is I want to be hands-on. I want to lead by example. And I never want someone to say that, you know, well, she's not doing that. She's just telling us to do it. So that's kind of how I took my career. And I just continued to move up. So a couple years in, I was promoted to assistant general manager. And then when Kirk decided to leave, um, I was then promoted to general manager of the team. So I did, in fact, check that box of being a general manager. And and you're in that sense, you, you don't own the team, but you are essentially in charge of everything, right? I mean, you have... Almost everything. I guess the the actual baseball still goes to the parent club. Is that right? Do I have that right? Yes. But everything other than that is falls under you. I mean, you're doing everything. You're essentially an entrepreneur within an organization, yeah. even though you're not the owner. With someone right? else's money, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the fun way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you're exactly right. And kind of how we describe it is, you know, we, as in the minor league club, are in charge of everything outside of the white line. So kind of going back to you know, people coming in the stadium, those sitting in the seats, we're filling butts, we're feeding them, we're entertaining them, we're making them happy. Anything that happens inside the white lines is what's been given to us by the parent club. So we can't control what players are coming in, how long they're there, you know, how they drafted that year. It is what it is. So that's why you hear a lot of times with minor league clubs, you know, yes, granted prospects are awesome. So my last year in Quad Cities was 2013, and we had become the Houston Astros affiliate. So we had Mark Appel and Carlos Correa on the field at the same time, which were both first-round draft picks. You also had Lance McCullers. So, like, we're not going to shy away from we have awesome talent on the field, but we're also not naive to the fact that they're probably not going to be here long, so we can't just hone in and only promote them. We have to do other things as well. Yeah, that's got to be really tough. Your your star players, your main attractions that the the pro clubs are using their main. Well, the you know the major league, I guess, because they're all it's all pro. I understand that, but the major, the top tier, are using those big names to attract butts and seats. You're going to lose your big names tomorrow because they're 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 your bit. So that is a challenge for sure. What about actually being able to use the players to uh, to attract? Um, to, you know, in the community or for special events? I mean, were you allowed to use the players at your own discretion to show up at this charity function or to go do this television interview, et cetera, things like that? 
Um, not necessarily. So when it comes to things like that, you'll, you definitely want to have a great relationship with a manager. So that was something every single day I would go down and talk to our manager and just, you know, try to understand from them where the players are, you know, in the morning, they might be going to the gym to work out. So you can't necessarily have them do community appearances then, or maybe it's just the pitchers going, but position players can go out in the community. And then you literally have like a very small window of if they're not at the gym and they haven't come to the field yet, like you might have this hour or two where that's where if you're trying to book a community appearance. So generally on our side, we would, you know, try to encourage different community partners like, hey, we can have a player there from 11 to 12 or 12 to 1, whatever that looks like. And if you can provide lunch for the player, even better you know, a little enticing is great, but yeah, it was, you had a very narrow window of uh, time available for them. So we've, I've interviewed probably, a, you know, four dozen, I don't know, almost a hundred AAA baseball players in Rochester for the Red Wings. Yep. And I'm always curious as to how they decide who to send, because to be candid, there are times when these guys have huge personalities and there's other times where, there's not a lot in there other than baseball, I don't think. And you're not getting much out of these guys. I was wondering to what extent you could actually choose which guy you get to grab. So <laughs> You know what I mean, too. I understand that you have to be probably nice about answering that, but I've sat across from some no. dudes who weren't saying much. <laughs> so you send them just to autograph signings if you can. Mm -hmm. So it really <laughs> truly is based on the type of appearance. So if it's a, hey, we're going to a school, we need this player to read and then talk a little bit to the students. You, again, if you don't have that relationship with the clubhouse on your own, you'll go to the manager and say, hey, I'm looking for two guys, kind of this personality, who's available? Or, hey, I just need three guys to come sit on the concourse and sign autographs for 30 minutes. They don't have to talk. They literally just need to sign and smile. Probably the quieter guys. So you kind of learn um, who to send yeah. where. Okay, so Quad Cities. So you yeah. are you're the GM now. You are the big cheese. You're the boss. What gets you out of that gig? What makes you say, okay, it's time for something new? And, and I believe that's when you head to Florida, right? To Clearwater? Yeah. Correct. Well, a hmm, couple stops along the way. We, we got a long, there's a long road here, buddy. Um, no, you know, I had been in baseball on the minor league baseball side, like the team side for 10 years. And that was the year I got married, 2013. And it was something where, you know, you work the longest hours in the world. You are totally committed to your career, your job. And it was something that kind of made me pause and be like, okay, I've done this. I've spent my 20s doing this. And I probably should put a little bit of attention to, you know, the personal side of my life. And so I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, you know, kind of pause on this part of my career, focus on what's next, focus on my marriage, because my husband, bless his heart, has been awesome and supportive. And we did actually, we met in Quad Cities. He worked there the first two years that I was there moved off, came back, but he understood what I was doing and was totally supportive. But it was just something that it was like, I need to have a balance and I'm not, I'm not going to get that staying here. So I actually, we packed up and moved down to South Florida, lived with my sister and I legit like retired for six months because I just needed, I needed a breather. I mean, you put so much of your life and energy into working in minor league baseball and especially, I mean, 
when it came down to running a team, I'm taking care of financials and how many people are in seats and, you know, making sure that our concessionaire is running an efficient operation and we have people quitting and I'm hiring and training and all the things. And it's, it's so much. So I was like, wherever I go next, I need to kind of have a little bit of separation, breathe, regroup, probably not drink as many beers, maybe exercise a little bit more and like become a better me. So I, uh, I went ahead and did that for six months. So you, you, cause I'm thinking about that schedule. You're so right. Especially, you know, in season gone, right. You're just, there's no hope. You're not going to be Steph at all from like April till September. Maybe in the off season, you get to peek through once in a while and say, Hey, I'm here. What's going on? How's life? You know, but, but really that's like not fair to the people in your life when you're like, Hey, I'll see you in six months. I'm going to be busy. I got to go to work. You know, that's how that is rough. So I understand. Would you say you were burned out in that moment? And you just said, Hey, I got to go spend six months on a beach. You know what? I think I was heading towards burnout, but I had always kind of told myself, I had watched people around me that stayed in it too long. And I told myself, I don't want to be the person that is no longer an effective leader. If I'm getting mm-hmm. to the point where I feel like I'm not being the best manager, the best leader, like I probably need to remove myself to allow someone else to come in and be, you know, that energetic person that they need. And I, so I think I was like heading in that direction, but I put a pause before I was able to get to the burnout stage. Old dudes who stay in jobs and they don't have to be dudes, I guess, but old people that stay in jobs that they start to hate is it really is the work. Cause then they start to sort of do damage to the position. And yep. they've been there so long that maybe, you know, for some reason they get to stay in that position. But you're so right about they get to the point where they start to hate their job and they just take it out yep. on the people around them. The job goes downhill. So what happens after you're on the beach? What what comes next? Uh, so I ended up going to IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida. So I had a... Um, a guy that I went to college with at Flagler, he had been working at IMG since we had graduated. And, you know, I just kind of started reaching out to people in Florida. Hey, what do you have? What do you have? And so he's like, well, we do have a couple positions. Like, you know, would you be interested? And I don't know, are you familiar with the difference between IMG Academy and kind of like the IMG college? No, I'm not. So IMG Academy is the actual, it is an actual academy. It's a high school well, they have other grades as well, but primarily a high school where it is international. They have kids coming in from all over the world to live and train there. So it's a boarding school. It is top tier. It is very expensive, but you are basically investing in your child on the front end. So on the back end, obviously they'll reap benefits, but I mean, they have everything from they put them on a nutrition plan, a mental, you know, mental preparedness plan, all those things. So in my role, I didn't touch the academy part of it. I was doing anything that was related to a team coming in, needing to train to get ready for whatever sporting event. So for example, the Costa Rica national soccer team came and trained and stayed there before going to the world cup. Um, We had, Canadian football come there, Australian football, Chinese relay team coming before world relay. So truly for me, it did not matter the sport. If we had a field or a surface that they could play in, they could train on, like I was trying to get them to come there. So 
it was it was very interesting and fascinating. Like I met, I'm still in contact with this guy that worked with the Australian Football League. Like just when would I ever, you know, meet all of these people? So um, <laughs> the uh, Chinese like to pay in cash. So it was very interesting where they would meet me in the wow. middle of the track with a bag of like $10,000 in cash <laughs> handed over and I'm like, I need to sprint this to accounting immediately. I'm not carrying a book bag of $10,000 on me. But it was it was a very good learning experience there as well because, I mean, my whole life I'm going from baseball, knowing, you know, knowing how to speak the language to now instead of it being a field, it's a pitch for soccer or, you know, whatever it might, instead of a scrimmage, it's a friendly. And literally having to like change how I'm, talking to whoever a future client is based on their sport and where they're from. So uh, it was good. It was a, it was a very interesting time. Where do you think in this whole journey from, you know, from Jacksonville all the way to, to this moment we're in right now, where do you think you knew you were going to work for yourself one day, Steph and company? Um, I knew that I think in November of 2020, Oh, that recent. Huh? <laughs> yes. So that wasn't something that was burning in there the whole time. It really no? wasn't, you know, like it's, yeah. I mean, I, this pandemic has made us sit back and realize a lot about ourselves. And, you know, if you haven't spent time to kind of decide what's important and what you're going to focus your time and energy on, um, maybe you should at this point, but truly there were decisions made for me that, made me get to this point. So I can, I can springboard into, I left IMG shocker Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. (laughs) and real quick on that. They were at a point of growing where they were not quite ready for, I guess the amount of business that we were bringing in. They didn't have enough facilities. They didn't have enough staff. And I actually was working more there than I was working in minor league baseball. So it was one of those where I'm like, I am too old and tired to be working around the clock again. Like I got out of it. I need to like figure out something else. So you were, you you were, you were borderline geriatric, you know, you were, uh, were. (laughs) I was in my thirties at that point, (laughs) right? Um, but it was, it was a lot just because, you know, when you think about it, you're working with international clients. So if they're coming, flying in at 11 PM, and then into Tampa, driving down to Bradenton, they're now not getting there until 1231. And I literally would have to like, check them in, make sure they're, you know, doing well, then I would have a team leaving at 5am the next morning to head out. So it was just, it was a Mm. lot. But um, so I was there a little over a year, and I ended up like, all right, I have to figure out what's next. So, you know, fired up LinkedIn, hadn't been on that in a really long time. And Lo and behold, I had a message from the COO of minor league baseball, the headquarters, probably from a day before that said, hey, I have an opportunity. I don't know if you're interested or looking, but I would love to talk to you about it. And my answer was, "I yes. In my mind, I'm like, I don't care what it is. Yes, let's have this conversation. Um, That's a so- huge deal. That's a huge deal, right? I mean, that is... That's the organization now. That's the that's the body that governs all. And they're like, hey, Steph, we need to talk. I mean, wow, that must have been exciting. It really was. And I mean, like, honestly, the timing could not have been. I was at a point of like, I I need something else. And I was probably willing to take something that I didn't love just to kind of get to another point. But, you know, I was like, oh, my gosh, like you said, 
I'm now getting back into an industry potentially that I have loved for years, but hopefully in a sense that provides me more balance rather than, you know, all these game days that I'm at the field for 15, 18 hours. So um, they ended up offering me a director of digital properties position. And for those of you that have been paying attention at home, I have never once mentioned digital or properties. I literally knew nothing about it. Um, they were aware of that because as they're kind of going through, I'm like, I don't know what any of that means, but <laughs> I do know the industry. I know, you know, all of these key players. And basically they said, we don't need someone who's technical. We need someone who can take this information, essentially communicate it in a way that you would have wanted to hear it as a general manager. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, as long, again, as you're good knowing, I don't know anything, but I'm happy to learn. So like, let's do this. So yeah, so I was hired as director of digital properties um, for minor league baseball and started there June of 2015. Um, very uncomfortable for the first, you know, first while as I'm trying to learn all of all of these new things. Well, because you're somebody who's who's you know, you're, you're, you like perfecting things. You get to be very good at things. And so it sucks when you're in that first month of something and you're not good at it. You're like, uh, you know, you hate sucking at something, right? Like that. I can imagine that about you. And, uh, and yeah, but you, but you're the type of person also who's like, okay, I'm going to learn it. And within a couple months, I'm not going to suck at it anymore. It was like, I, I'm sitting back going, okay, I'm sorry. What was that again? Can you repeat? slow down talk to me like I'm you know five years old so Uh it was a lot of foreign language and terminology but it was really again it was a good learning experience to get out of my comfort zone try something that I wasn't good at and like make myself learn something new and then I was in that role for a couple years and the director of special events position ended up becoming available and oddly enough I kind of paused for a minute and I'm like well you know, I'm kind of rolling in this position, but then I was like, what? No, I need to shift gears here. (laughs) I need to execute something that, you know, I'm, I'm good at that is, uh, that I'm passionate about. So ended up taking that, um, over that role at the end of 2017. So in that role, our two main events that we plan, it used to be called the promotional seminar. We then renamed it to the innovator summit. And that takes place at the end of September in all minor league Clubs are invited to essentially register, share ideas, best practices, you know, good, bad, ugly. It's a very collaborative industry where people aren't essentially, you know, it's not a competitor. They want, whether it's Rochester to say, hey, we did this, we did this well. And then someone from Durham goes, oh, that's an interesting idea. Maybe we tweak this and it'll work for our market. So that was the event that people would come to to share ideas. Yeah, and then they used to talk about that, by the way. I'm sorry to cut you off, but I, I mean, Dan, Dan Mason was a regular. Dan Mason's essentially a celebrity in Rochester. <laughs> were you, what, by the way, when you were the GM in Quad Cities, were you basically a celebrity? People know you. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> it's it's being on, I'm like, telling you, Mason can't walk through it. <laughs> I would get messages on Facebook saying, I heard you on the radio this morning. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyway, he would talk about the thing you're talking about right now. He would say that. He would say that you guys did these sessions where he would, he would get ideas from other markets and, hey, this is something they were doing in such and such market that we thought would be perfect for Rochester. And that's a really cool idea for an event. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's, oh my gosh, I love that event. It's just, yeah. it's, yeah. you know, the, minor league baseball world is such 
a unique and creative industry. There are so many, I mean, the minds of people that are in the industry is just, it's innovative, which is why we shifted it from the promotional seminar where people who hadn't been in a while thought, oh, it's just about promotions, I'm good, to know, in fact, we're talking about ticket sales and social media and it's evolved. So it became the Innovator Summit um, the last year. So yeah, awesome event. And then we also planned, which I'm sure people are more familiar with, the baseball winter meetings, which what you see on TV is a very, very, very small portion of what actually goes on at winter meetings. Um, so you'll have what you see will be, you know, the hot stove talk. You'll see the TV set up, all of those things, which is awesome. But literally, that is such a small portion where behind the scenes are hundreds of league meetings. On the minor league side, we put together awards banquets, a job fair that has four to 500 students applying for jobs. We have a trade show of 250 to 300 different companies coming in and showcasing their products and services for clubs. Mm -hmm. So you don't get to see a lot of that, like the rest of the world for baseball winter meetings. Did you go virtual with those things last year or did minor league baseball just, just kind of have to take a year off last year? So I guess to to continue in that space, how familiar are you with all that went on and is going on in the major league and minor league baseball world? I'm majors a little bit. My parents were season ticket holders for a couple of years. And so there's like a rep who calls us and, and, you know, explains what's the latest going on with the Indians and whatnot. But no, I mean, with minor league baseball, all I know is my direct local experience in Rochester. And it was somewhat devastating because we're not a major, major league sports city. So the Red Wings are our major league sports team essentially here. And so it was devastating to lose it last year. And we really, and right now, even as we speak, February 22nd, as we're recording this, people are crossing their fingers and hoping it happens and please let it happen. And in New York, and I think it's a state to state thing, right? Because New York just did, allow some crowds and outdoor spaces for sporting events. So it looks good, but I know I, that's the, the majority of, or that's the extent of my familiarity right now. Okay. So to kind of catch you up on, I guess, 2020 when it is baseball. Um, so heading into 2020, not knowing that COVID was going to take over and, you know, make all these decisions for us. But what we knew in the baseball world was 2020 was the year that the professional baseball agreement between major league and minor league baseball was going to expire. So there were negotiations going into the era between the two offices. What will baseball look like moving forward? The negotiations had started at the beginning of 2020, couple meetings, you know, different proposals, this and that. And then COVID hits and the priority shifts to, you know, what is going on? How, how does this work and how can games start? So that is where basically major league baseball put a pause on the negotiations of our first priority right now is we need to start playing games. So, you know, they work through that. They obviously do get in a shortened season and then negotiations pick back up between the two. Well, at that point, you know, we're far into the year And I will say, you know, minor league baseball did not have a lot of negotiating power. It was, we knew major league baseball wanted to make a lot of changes. And, you know, granted, I was listening to another podcast before where the last time these big changes happened was in 1990. 
And it was, it was a lot. And during that time, people were freaking out because, you know, holy changes were coming. But then, you know, years later, you look back and go, okay, there were new stadiums, there were upgraded stadiums, there was a lot of good that came from it. But as you're in the midst of it, changes is just like, oh, my gosh, like, you're ruining the game of baseball, which, you know, I kind of being, being a part of it, at least from the outskirts and watching it, I do think baseball can use some changes. I think we can all agree with that. And but I think the way that things have been communicated and how things have rolled out have been probably not done in the best way. Um, so negotiations are going on. End of September comes. The agreement expires, which doesn't mean that like all of a sudden everything shuts down. It just means that there's li- literally no binding agreement anymore. And it is then said that Major League Baseball is going to be taking over minor league operations, which means that our office headquarters for minor league baseball will no longer be as it is. So big changes are coming. And during this time, you know, I had kind of, I'd been talking to my counterpart at Major League Baseball, just, you know, what are you hearing? And it's literally at this point going to be an invitation for, from the Major League office where we would like to invite you to continue on in this transition where if Major League Baseball did not reach out to you or your department as part of the transition process, you were going to be laid off. Wow. And so unfortunately, so there was a team of four in special events. None of us <clears throat> were contacted to continue with the transition, even though it was recommended on the other side that at least like let's get us through 21 so we understand, you know, what they do, how they do it, but yeah, as of October 15th, I was told that the end of October was going to be my last day at minor league baseball. So Wow, I didn't know any of this part. That's fascinating. Yeah. I can't believe that. That's that's remarkable. And, and I mean, this is how you, I asked you a little while ago, when does Stefan Company pop into your head? So that's what you <laughs> meant when you said November. It was it was somewhat out of necessity. But it I love was. if I could just put words in your mouth for a second. Correct I would me love if I'm it. I, I, I love the fact that you looked at yourself and you went, wait a minute, I am extremely marketable. I know all these things. I can throw events. I have essentially been an entrepreneur all these years. I just didn't have to do the finances part. I wasn't in charge of, of everything, but I've basically been running the show for years. I am sick of working hard for other people, and this is my thanks. I'm going to work hard for myself. How close was it? You are so <laughs> correct. And it mostly like if we could like pause on that last part of working hard for myself, I think a lot of it is, you know, this year it was challenging and our our leadership didn't know what was coming, didn't know kind of how to help. But I, especially our department, we were very innovative, always wanted to try to do better and more. And so coming out of this, pausing and going, okay, like I have an opportunity to make my own decisions and no one else can tell me, no, you can't do that. No, you can't move forward with this. No, like at the end of the day, it's going to be me deciding like, oh, I financially, that doesn't make sense for me or, oh no, you know, this project doesn't make sense for me. But it was really refreshing when I sent out, I sent out an email, you know, probably a week after I had received the news to all of my contacts in minor league baseball and just kind of said, Hey, here's what's happening. Stay tuned for what's next. Because at that point it's October. And I didn't know that, Stepping company was going to be born. And it was so refreshing where I received so many emails of, it has been amazing working with you. You're awesome. Hey, would you want to collaborate on this project? Hey, would you want to consult with me on this? And literally from that, I was like, 
is there something there? Like, is this, mm-hmm. is this a thing? Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? I, I think I want to go for this. Like, why not? And it, you know, it going back to the reflection time of, of COVID where what is important to me and my son is important to me having this time here. I never thought I'd be able to work from home and enjoy it. I thought I'd be too distracted. Like I can hone in and get some stuff done. I get to pop out every day and have lunch with him. I, you know, I haven't necessarily had the support I've been looking for working for other people. So all these things, I was like, people literally coming to me saying, Hey, would you want to work with me on this? And all of those other things literally led me to go, okay, like I at least have to give this a try of working for myself because it's going to check all of these boxes of what's important to me. Yeah. So you go out there, you announce Stefan company. And if I'm not mistaken, you pretty much just announced it, right? It just became public knowledge. You know what I did? Um, I realized, so I put it on LinkedIn a couple months ago and then I realized like, oh my gosh, I never put it on like my personal channels because I was very much driven to like professional business business. And then I was like, I think the rest of the world probably wants to know too. So (laughs) yeah, I did just go, oh yeah, I I need to do that on my. (laughs) I should probably tell somebody. Yeah. Yeah. So Stefan company is a virtual events company, right? So, uh, and you're right on with this. You're right perfect timing. I'm lucky enough to sit on a couple of boards in town and I always love getting involved in the gala committees for any of any board that I'm on. And, uh, that has been the thing that has just stumped organization after organization. Some have nailed it. Some have failed miserably and some are lingering somewhere in between, but how do we do our big event this year, our major fundraiser? How do we do that and look good on people's screens since they can't come. And and by the way, it has longevity because every one of these committees that I'm on, now that we're thinking 2021, you know, a couple of them happen in the fall and we're thinking, well, maybe this year we can have it be in person. There is no doubt in anyone's mind that there still needs to be a virtual element to these things forever going forward. This has changed things forever. Yeah. So it's a, it's a great move and great space. But that, I mean, I just, I'm so happy for you. Congratulations. Yeah. And, you know, it's, I will say that kind of, uh, I guess that's one path. And I heard something recently, actually, on another podcast of someone saying the future is fluid. And I really, really like that. And I think that's something for me with Steph and Company, where I'm kind of focusing on the future is fluid, where what I'm offering today in a year, it could end up being a different offering as I continue to kind of understand what you know, what is in my wheelhouse, what is needed in the marketplace and, you know, what matches up with my skill set. So I do, I actually purchased a license on a virtual platform and it's, it's called Remo. So it's a lot of fun. It's interactive. Are you, have you heard of it at all? Um, no, I don't think so. No. Um, so that was one of the things someone had reached out to me on LinkedIn. I did not know this person, but they introduced me to this platform and wanted me to collaborate. Well, it ended up after a couple of calls was like, you know what, I'm doing this for myself. I'd, I'd be working for this person. This doesn't make sense. But I was introduced to this platform. And so I've been hosting different networking events, um, you know, with the minor league season now that the schedules are out, which is exciting, you know, reaching out to them to let them know like, hey, if you're looking to do a season ticket holder party or a meet the team, there's just so many great events that virtually could take place on here. And I think you're absolutely right. I think a lot of companies are going to look back and go, okay, let's look at 2019. Where did we travel to? Do we still need to travel to all these places? Maybe we travel one time instead of four. 
So I think people are really, you know, they're going to change the way they operate based on knowing, wow, we actually can work virtually and save a little bit of money and still accomplish what we need to. So um, yeah, I, I think when it comes to the space of the platform and I did do an annual lease on it. So, you know, I have a year to kind of host all these awesome events, but I am also working on a couple other projects as well. And that's kind of where the future is fluid for me and kind of really figuring those buckets out. So um, one of the emails I received was from the general manager of the Nashville Sounds, Adam News. And he said, I want to introduce you to my wife, Sarah. She just released a book. She is awesome. I think you should meet, you should have a conversation. I know she wants to do a lot of things. I don't know if she's there yet, but like, here you go. Timing seems right. And so from there, I've literally been working with Sarah for a couple months now. We're hosting a women's networking event coming up. Um, I've helped recreate her website, sending out newsletters, you know, streamlining her backend process of how she organizes things. So, you know, I have all those other projects that I can dive into as well. But it's just, it's been so much fun where I literally am excited every day that I wake up. Like yeah. I'm enjoying what I'm doing. It's still different every day. And I'm getting to work with people that I want to. I can surround myself with good people that want to accomplish great things. So it's very cool. Well, congratulations. I know you're going to be super successful with whatever you do. And, and this is going to be just, it's going to be a big hit. And uh, when I saw it come across my Facebook feed, I went, I got to, I got to reach out to her because that is awesome. So, well, congratulations. Thanks for giving us an hour of your time. <laughs> well, thank you for uh, letting me ramble for that long. I got a oh lot of God, was great. Turns, so, you know, got to map out <laughs> the whole journey. That's true. Great. To, is Dan Mason as much of a legend as we think he is around here? Is he the man? <laughs> You know, I know a lot of the GMs as like, they're like bucketed in this world of like awesome. Yeah. So he's bucketed in the, in the world of awesome GMs. Okay. All right. All right, Steph. Thank you. I'll let you go back and enjoy that Florida weather. And uh, I'm going to soak the snowplow came so I can make it to work today. So That is wonderful. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks for doing this. Thanks, Steph. Good to see you. You too. Bye-bye.